Thank you, Al, very much. In the history of the Winter Olympic Games, only four American women have won the gold medal in figure skating. But never since 1956 have American women been denied the championship over a longer period of time than now. It has been 16 years. The first American woman to wrest the gold from the Scandinavians and Europeans was a brilliant young woman from Boston. Tenley Albright won the United States Championship five times and capped her career with her winning performance at the Winter Games in 56. Four years later, in the mountains of California, Carol Heiss, who had finished second Albright in 56, found the winner's gold at Squaw Valley. In 61, there occurred the darkest day in the history of U.S. figure skating. The entire American team killed in an airplane crash in Brussels en route to the World Championships. But like the Phoenix, the United States rose again and seven years later was back. The champion who took them there, the beauteous Peggy Fleming, who brought new artistry to the sport. In a valley town in Austria, eight years later, it was another American beauty, a young woman from Connecticut with a world championship haircut who captivated the world. Dorothy Hamill became the fourth and last American woman to win the Olympic championship. Since 1976, it has been the women from East Germany who have skated to the top. American women have been close. Linda Fratiani in 1980 and Rosalind Summers in 1984 both won silver medals and in 1988 at Calgary Debbie Thomas was a leading contender but could manage only a bronze against the formidable Fraulein Vip. Now as we near the games in Albertville there is no more East Germany there are no more compulsory figures to skate and America has three strong contenders in this day of strong athleticism in women's skating Harding, Yamaguchi, and Kerrigan. Can one of them become the fifth American woman to win a gold medal and carry on what Tenley Albright began 36 years ago when American women figure skaters first became the toast of the world? They begin the second stage of their Olympic journey tonight. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. You know, we love China, we love the plan here. It comes a dunk. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? All right, so we wrapped, we finished the last episode talking about um, this confrontation between Moira and Rick, her old coach. Doug makes reference to, you know, he overhears this whole thing, says to Moira, you know, hey, do me a favor. Do me a favor, will you take off the rock while we work? It's cutting the hell out of my hand. Take off the rock while we work, it's cutting my hand. And, uh, you know, just sort of like giving this energy of like, hey, you know, I'm not concerned about you being engaged. I'm a tough guy and I don't have emotions, whatever, whatever. And we cut to 57 minute mark here. Uh, Chicago Nationals. Christian, take it away. We have a title card. Title card. We are. uh, We have a glamorous uh, sky view of Mm. beautiful Chicago. United States Figure Skating Association welcomes you to the National Skating Championships here in Chicago. 
Congratulations. Best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a helicopter shot, baby. Maybe even a blimp. Look, I, this is Chicago. Hello again, everybody. Harry Carey at Wrigley Field on this noteworthy night indeed. 8-8-88. That's the date. And this bud's for you, Bill Murray. Thank you, Harry. I've been dying under these lights until you handed me this thing. It's such a pleasure to see you, especially on a noteworthy event like this one. Well, I don't know how I feel about night baseball. It's great in the minor leagues, but it's someplace else to go in town besides your restaurant, which is a good thing. <laughs> you know, uh, how's your mother, by the way? My mother is, uh, she's off the booze, real pretty, but she's doing really well. She's doing great. That bit you put on when you were, when I was sick and you were on and did such a great job, the bit you did about your mother, among other things, I think it should be a special cassette. You ought to sell about 10 million of them. Well, uh, I've got uh, 200000 of my own, which I'm willing to unload for some sort of a price. But uh, my mother really wants too big a percentage, so I'm keeping them in, a gar- in the garage right now at home. Have you thought about broadcasting baseball as something after you're tired of uh, being a great star of movies, stage, television, screen, whatever you have? I think when I completely lose my mind here, I'm going to step right up into your spot here in the booth. There's no doubt about you being a Cub, a true Cub fan, is there? Well, I went with the blue and white tonight, figuring I could look like the ground crew in case I got thrown out, I could get back in. It's really beautiful. It's the most beautiful park in the world, and it's it's pretty under the lights, too. That's what I was hoping. I'm going to guess, based on this overview, we're, we're in May, because it's 1992. There is not a, a bit of ice down there in frozen tundra Chicago. <laughs> That's a really good point. So, it's, supposed know, to be Jan- it's supposed to be early it's a, January. It's supposed to be early January, but let's just assume it's negative 8 degrees. I've gone there. My nipples got rock hard walking around that city, <laughs> because, baby, that wind chill is no joke yeah. off of the water so we're at the national championships and doug and kate are starting to get acclimated to actual competition they are for the first time seeing what's going on with the other participants there's children half interested passed out everywhere in the background there everyone's waiting for their turn but the doubles the competition is out there yeah. And Kate and Doug are sizing them up. They're we get like this perfect up. like rundown of, of the field of, of the of the competition. By the way, just in case anyone's wondering, uh, the actual 1992 U.S. figure skating championships took place at the Orlando Arena in Orlando, Florida, uh, from January 4th to 12th. Yeah, this is in fact a uh, an event um, you know held January, annually. Uh, yes, yeah, it's fourth to 12th. Yeah, January 4th to 12th. So it's a competition sanctioned by U.S. Figure Skating, um, with uh, you know four different um, uh, you know medals awarded in four different disciplines: uh, men's singles, women's singles, pair skating, and ice dancing. Don't forget about ice dancing. And so uh, can I, I? Sorry to interrupt. Can I ask a quick question here? Sure. So that I assume would be the same arena where where the Orlando Magic the Orlando Ma- the O Arena. That's correct. Yeah. Or the home of the Orlando Magic and next month's NBA All Star Game. This week, host to the All-Stars of Figure Skating, the U.S. Figure Skating Championships, in effect, the Olympic Trials. Now, last night, the ladies skated their original programs. That's worth one-third of the overall score. So the standings look like this as we begin competition tonight. Christy Yamaguchi has the lead. Nancy Kerrigan is second. Tanya Harding is third. If they remain that way, they'd represent the U.S. in Alberville. Tisha Walker is fourth. 
Lisa Irvin is fifth, and Tanya Kwiatkowski is sixth. Now, they'll skate in this order, and the order was determined by a blind draw. Yamaguchi will go first. Then we'll see Harding. Then comes Walker. Irvin skates fourth. Kerrigan skates fifth. And Kwiatkowski will be sixth. Again, the top three make the U.S. Olympic team. Well, the American ladies did spectacularly well last March in the World Championships in Munich, Germany. For more on that, here's Julie Moran. Julie? Never before in the history of the World Championships has one country swept the medals in the ladies' division. Never before, that is, until 1991 when Americans Christy Yamaguchi, Tanya Harding, and Nancy Kerrigan stole the show. And since then, their lives have been dramatically different. the world champion <laughs> the historic accomplishment of the american trio launched them into the world of commercial endorsements financial opportunities that were once unavailable to amateurs but many of their appearances have been far removed from the national spotlight from local skating competitions to stints on the local news i'm tanya harding for celebrity broadcaster three women forever linked as athletes yet dramatically different as individuals. They come from both sides of the country and different types of families, and each has been molded by the environment she grew up in. Christy Yamaguchi's world once revolved around her hometown of Fremont, California, but her skating took her to Edmonton in 1989, leaving her family behind. She lived with her coach, Christy Ness, and her husband for two years. But this summer, at the age of 20, she moved out on her own and faced the responsibilities of adulthood for the first time. Christy is in Edmonton, however, for one reason, to skate. And she does that at the Royal Glenora Club, which has drawn skaters from around the world. It's also home to three-time world champion Kurt Browning of Canada. It's been wonderful for my training. It's a good group of kids. We're all here for the skating. A lot of us are from other parts of the world, so skating is the first important thing. While her fellow skaters motivate Christy on the ice, their helping hand extends off it as well. The U.S. national champion resides not in Edmonton, but in Portland, Oregon. Tanya Harding rocked the skating community in 91 when she won the national title, but her success has led to a year of turmoil. She filed for divorce from her husband Jeff this June, then reconciled with him in October. In the spring, she announced she was leaving Doty Teachman to coach herself, only to rejoin her seven weeks later. It was really hard because I went through a lot of, you know, emotional state, uh, you know, it was really hard. And, uh, you know, everything is back in shape. I mean, you know, people were pulling me in different directions and everything, and I didn't know what to do. While she and Teachman have been reunited, their relationship has changed. I need to be in charge of my skating. This is my life. And um, it's the same with the, my coach. You know, she's there to teach me and when I need help. I'm the employer, and she's my employee. And that's the way it should be. A continent away in Stoneham, Massachusetts, live the Kerrigans, a close-knit, working-class family. And the baby of the clan has always been Nancy. 
From an early age, her brothers wanted to turn her into an ice hockey player, but her parents thought figure skating was more appropriate. Her success in 91 proved that decision wise. I was very proud. I was in tears. I was very, very happy. Not for us as much as anything. It was just for Nancy, because she's worked so damn hard for what she's earned so far. Her mother and best friend Brenda is legally blind and sees only images on the ice. My mom's probably like my best friend. It's nice because I, I don't know a lot of friends that have their relationship with their mothers, you know, that close. And I tell her everything. <laughs> no secrets. So I'm, I'm lucky. Second to fourth, we're just assuming. Yeah, this is the right shot. in the middle of Shaquille O'Neal's rookie, rookie year. Season, <laughs> yep. 1992. I'll tell you what, I'm really surprised about that shot. I, I don't know where that one came from. Plenty of time left on the shot clock, but Miami probably wanted to get two for one. Porciani wrap around the Royal Miss. O'Neal did. So now they will get the last shot. But it's only a four point game. Sally up tempo. Rice falling away, won't go, O'Neal the rebound. Now the Magic with a final shot chance. O'Neal runs the floor, takes it all the way! So, Correct. the Magic, we're thinking, like, have a road trip or something? Uh, Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, because that is a pretty long chunk of time, although... There are definitely not, not like, events every single night in that January 4th to 12 time block. Because oh, yeah. there they are slide two... the ice in and out of these places. Yeah, they, they can they, they can get, get that cord over over the ice pretty quick. Um, so I would imagine that if they had to squeeze a a, game, a home game in, they they could do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, of course, in the in the fictional universe of the Cutting Edge, that we're in Chicago, Chicago. as Christian mentioned, uh, unseasonably warm looking from the uh, skyline shots. Um, but yeah, so then we we get we get a, a taste of the a look at the competition. Phoenix must be high. Catch your head low. Yes, your buddy must be tied. Rush hour out here. Spindler and Nyman, the crying command. Ah, the Wiedemann twins. Don't get too close, you're going to sugar shock. Hey, isn't that... Brian Newman, my old partner. Ah, the ex-husband. Who's a new wife? Pekorowski. Lori Pekorowski. Tell me how you really feel. We've got Spindler and Nyman. They cry on command, which is Kate's, that's Kate's words. Um, this isn't Sorry, dwelled just on. Wanna, just want to confirm it. So actually, uh, yeah, Saturday, January 4th, 1992, the Orlando Magic are in Denver for a loss to the Nuggets. They lose 91 to 93. Uh-huh. So oh, no, I, I paid for the spread. <laughs> the, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> oh, no, my old betting. They're actually on a West Coast trip. Looks like so. Yeah, they played the Nuggets. Then they played the Trailblazers on the seventh. On the eighth, they played the Supersonics up in Seattle. Then they went to Phoenix, and then the Lakers. And then they flew home to play the New York Knicks on Saturday, on Tuesday, January fourteenth, nineteen ninety-two. Take a look. Oh, at them. Sorry. There Sorry you go. Perfect. But Great. We know Doug wouldn't have cared about any of that basketball stuff because that man was all about the Red Wings. He's all about that hockey. Oh, he doesn't yeah. care about basketball. 
Doug, nah, nah. what's also shocking is he doesn't care to do any research into the competition because he's looking around like, oh, and Kate's like, oh, that's this couple and they're known for this. And he's like, never heard of them. Like, that's a I've, really good point. He spent cause... zero time sussing any competition. Didn't watch any tape of anybody. Yeah. Presumably to become eligible, eligible, uh, which we know is the word used for people who are, you know, qualify for this, uh, you know, national championship, a, a fairly prestigious, uh, cha- you know, uh, event. You'd have to probably compete in other smaller ice skate figure skating competitions during the during the season. Uh, but yeah, there's no indication that that they've ever competed against other human beings at this point. Um, but yeah, so we get Spindler and Nyman. Um, which isn't dwelled on, but this is the very same Spindler that's mentioned at the very start of the movie that wanted that wanted nothing to do with Kate. It's the uh, it's the one who who wore garlic from his neck and slept with a cross. That right. that, spin, that Spindler. Spindler. Um, yes, and then we get the the Wiederman twins. Uh, they'll come in uh, very prominently later on. <laughs> uh, Kate says, "Don't get too close. You'll go into sugar shock." Uh, and then Doug says, "Hey, isn't that? Hey, isn't that Brian Newman?" My old partner. Ah, the ex-husband. Who's a new wife? Pekarovsky. Lori Pekarovsky. Tell me how you really feel. Brian Newman. My old partner. The ex-husband. And then Doug says, who's the new wife? Pekarovsky. Lori Pekarovsky. So Brian and Lori skate on over. Um... Brian says, hello, Kate. Surprise, surprise. And well, gives her ben, not quite to the back up and down. You up. Not oh, to back oh, you oh. up. Oh, Very sure. important. Because at, uh, at 56.44, the young female <gasps> skater skates oh my up. God. Who do we see? It oh is my God. Rick. It's Rick. It's Rick. Rick ding, is ding, ding, absolutely ding. <laughs> oh my God. training Brian. He definitely, oh, we've now fuck. learned, he definitely drove out to Connecticut. This movie is airtight. Psychological torture. He folks. absolutely oh went there purely to get in the he competition's head games. to help Brian and the new skater just because he knew. Of course he's coaching If I Brian go and, and neg her and treat her like the shit I know she is because he's an abusive person. That's how he thinks. He's like, I'm going to treat her like useless trash, and that'll wreck her game. Uh, that'll help Brian win the Nationals. He knows Very nice, that is Very what nice. is going on. That's, That's actually... Oh, yep. man. That is wild, because they literally don't show Rick in any other... Rick doesn't have a line of dialogue. They, nope. don't, they don't even... They don't dwell on it. It's literally... Going back to it now, it's fifty six forty four. Six hours breaking apart. He is on screen (laughs) for a total of like two point four seconds. A hair of a second. He's signing some paperwork in the No, not even. It's like less than two seconds. Yes. Split second. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, he's he has no dialogue. We just see him leaning over the edge of the rink, you know, pointing a finger at Lori. And that's it. That's all we need. That's incredible. Wow. One. One. What is Brian saying to Lori? <laughs> you mean what's what Rick saying the, to Lori? What is the seed that's being planted? Rick, do you just, mean what is he saying to Lori? Yeah, yeah. Just wondering aloud, not looking for answers, just want the audience to consider it. Oh, my want, God. Want the other boys to consider it. <laughs> oh, my God. We'll leave I... it there. We will leave it there. <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> there. Okay. 
Point number two. Oh my god. Point number two here. <laughs> I, okay, I like Moira, it. Mo- I'm gonna so, right now. <laughs> ben, for, for the record, Ben is currently having the same kind of usual yeah. suspects moment where he's sipping a cup I of just, coffee. I just Chris dropped is, my fourth mug of coffee on the ground. It's yeah. shattering everywhere. Kaiser oh Sose. Yeah. Has uh, unveiled is himself. Littered Rick, in giant ceramic shards. Rick is Kaiser Sose. Holy so shit! So when when Moira explains to Doug, "Hey, this is who this is. It's Brian Newman and his new partner, the new wife." The new wife, right? Which is he ironic says, because he introduces. She introduces her, Lori Pekarovsky. Mm-hmm. I want you to pay attention here. Moira pronounces Lori's last name. And places just the slightest bit of emphasis on the first half of that. Pecker? A pecker? Pekarovsky. 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 I mean, it's like a Bond villain named Pussy Galore. <laughs> a lot of vagina. She places like, just a bit of emphasis pecker. on the pecker. Yeah. Puts a little bit and of pepper on that pecker. We're just going to, again, we're going to leave it there. Maybe a bit of foreshadowing. I don't know. Yep. Um... Now, this is, again, so Brian, we've... I, I don't think we've actually heard from Brian at this point in the film. We know of no, Brian. We've heard his name, but we have not we've seen heard, him. Yeah, we've heard, heard Moira him. Talk from him now. yell yes, at him. And this is where Brian skates up to Doug and Kate. And mm-hmm. immediately, he starts making eyes at Doug. Elevator eyes him. Just immediately in a... Uh, it appears like he's checking him out in a sexual way. Well, Kate, surprise, surprise. Hello, Brian. No wonder you've been keeping him to yourself. What's the matter? Nothing. Don't worry, you'll get used to it. Oh, it is the hard thirsty eye. We're talking thirsty, a full thirsty glance sexual up glance and up and down. down. And yes. he goes, no wonder you've been keeping him to yourself. So yes. Brian is openly. And then he winks, by the way, in case it yeah. was too subtle. It's too subtle. He does wink. He's but absolutely it, making a pass openly at Doug. And Doug, all of that sexuality stuff that he's been questioning about like he's justified it to his brothers, to himself. He said, no, this is about sporting. I can win the gold. And in a nanosecond, Doug's 1990s personality comes collapsing in of his sexualities in question. And he's completely vulnerable. Yeah. He's, he, you can tell he's upset. He's like internally like he's the questioned. Walt, the Walt voice in his head is going off being like, it's for you skating. Yeah. It's figure you're shave your legs. Yeah. yeah, this is you're, where you're going to shave your legs. It's the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's the, I, there's like a there's like a slow zoom. It's like an anxiety zoom at 5702. Yep. Uh, yes. Yep. Like a hard uh, like, and you see Brian like the whole the the weight of the situation like fully hitting him. But just yep. before that, I want to I want you guys to look at 56 50, uh, 57. The there's a little there's an amazing little like wiggle shimmy that Lori does as she's looking at uh at Doug, which again this is just seconds after the little 
you know, uh, moments that she had on the sidelines with Rick. With Rick. <laughs> um, and she's this... looking at, at Doug, and she does a little, like, a little, excited, yes. a little excited, a little excited cat wiggle. So we can now talk about it. Like, what does Rick say to Lori when she skates over? It's got to be well, brief. It's got to be a brief moment. Yeah. So I bet he just, like, in real coach fashion, just would Doug, fuck him. <laughs> and then she skates off. Like, I just have... It, it has to be short. It's curt. It's to the point. He goes, Lori, you have one job. Oh I did my, my part. I went to Connecticut <laughs> on a whim in my own car and negged Kate. Now you got to do your part. Go fuck Doug. See that guy? That's, that's the one we talked about. Go fuck him. Yes. Well, let's be clear here. <laughs> thank you, this, thank you, Christian. This... I was trying so hard to be like delicate and kind of like nope. dance around that a little bit no. and figure out a way to, to phrase it. Nope, you got it. You know, there's it. three yeah. frames of Rick and her talking. Yeah, there was no be time to the point. That's Doug. <laughs> He's signing That's registration paperwork. He's yes. not even looking up. He's just like Doug. Yeah. Fuck him. Like, <laughs> like your do mark. your job. Do yes. your job. Bloody came out of Belichick and Saban's partnership in Cleveland including a simple three-word philosophy that rings loudly to this day. Do your job! All right, don't try to make too much out of it. Just do your job! Let's go! Come on, do what you're supposed to do! Do your job! Football, it's just about doing our job. Just cover your man. Do what you're supposed to do. Try to make too many plays, and we're not doing what we're supposed to do. Do your job is a core belief within the Belichickian program you know, everybody hears that slogan, but, you know, and they think they can copy it. Just like, you know, you and I think we can go online and steal our animals recipes and cook them the same, right? You know, that just that doesn't work, right? It's hard to do your job if you don't know what your job is. Belichick defines what your job is. One of the things that I like most about working for you, I knew exactly what to expect. I knew exactly what you expected from me. And... I worked other places, and that was never, ever clearly defined. You know, it's amazing to me how many people work with or for someone, and it's just assumed that they know what you'd like for them to do. And I thought, whether it was the players that we brought to the team, the people that worked in personnel or whatever, you defined for them, and then you let them do their job, whatever it was. I, but the players could all see that if we'd all done exactly what we were supposed to do on this play, we'd be all right. We'd be all right. Yeah. And it's something that I've tried to take away so that we get that in our building. Lori, do your job. <laughs> this is the same as Doug with with Saddam in the crosshairs. This is, this is now Lori with Doug in the crosshairs, yes, right? Yes. yes. She's clearly now both have- her and Brian – are given Doug once again. Doug is this mythological sexual creature oh on God, planet yeah. Earth in 1992. Everybody wants a piece of Doug. Yeah, okay, he's so, caught in so the crossfire here. Pekarovsky, let, let, let's get a couple things clear. Pekarovsky, beautiful, right? Bombshell, redhead, yeah. beautiful, and she makes eyes with Doug, and Doug makes eyes with her. Mm-hmm. Let's let's not let's not let's not mistake it. And like he's well, it's Christian. not so much that he makes eyes at her; it's that he is Doug, and he sees her, it. and <laughs> she is she is a female human being, a female in his presence, 
and yes. therefore we know what must be done. Yes. And Doug is, like you said, Christian, Doug is a piece of red meat here. He is. I mean, he simultaneously, being he's sexually, being all sides. He's being sexually all objectified. Yes. Yeah, he's being objectified by both Brian and yep. Lori Pekarovsky. Yep. And Rick, he for that is, matter. And his yep. eyes are going back and forth like a tennis match between Lori yeah. Brian. Lori Brian. Like, Lori's yeah. giving me the eyes. He's like, I'm into it. And he goes, Brian's giving me the eyes. And that this is the sweat first is just beating up on beating his forehead. His, his mouth-breathing face at this point. This is working. This is Rick winning all oh, over all, again. Yeah. This is absolutely having the intended effect that mm-hmm. he, you know, the effect that he intended. Um, He's playing he, chess. He, Rick is playing he is chess. In, he is in the head. He is between the ears here of Doug. And yeah, Doug Rick is, is rattled. He's, Rick is just as much of a psychological mastermind as old Anton back in back in his Soviet days. Absolutely. They are yeah. both. He was, you know, Rick has got that. Trained in the same dark <sighs> arts. Trained. So then we have the elevator. Going down? Talk to me into it. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to hand it to this movie. Like, they don't waste a fucking no. second. No. They, no this thing, we just get the elevator door opens. Lori says... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doug, is, Doug is in the elevator. The door opens. He's clearly, he clearly makes a move to exit the elevator. Uh-huh. Lori says, going down? <laughs> That's yeah. all she has to say. Two yeah. words. Going down. Cut back Doug to says, the ice, Rick. You talked. You talked me into it. Yeah. Doors close, and that's all she wrote, folks. Ding. Cut to the she's, lobby. She's but in this a isn't the windbreaker. Uh, a, a very flashy windbreaker with yeah, a this sweater underneath. Oh, with the pink sweater under the pink windbreaker. Hair. I mean, she is a Just stunning incredible. beauty in 1992. She's like, uh, yes. you know. And Doug is just this is she's red a Playboy meat. bunny before this is disrobing. Red meat yeah. being thrown in yeah. front of Doug. It's like she, crazy. She is physically like the definition of a firecracker by 1992 standards. Oh yeah, in, yes. In, you know the red hair, the teased red hair, batting the eyelashes. It's yeah. like this is a cartoon of a vixen. You know? Yeah. She's wearing this these like l- like white lycra pants, like skin tight pants. Um, that you see, you know, when they exit the elevator uh, into the lobby. But of course, when they exit into the lobby, this isn't the immediate, you know, uh, there's been a little time jump uh, that the film very cleverly does. This isn't isn't the, I mean, guys, I don't know, unless they, do you think they push the old no, uh, alarm because, button in the elevator? Or no, do we think this Doug is a time jump? Mention, it's a time jump because Doug... She asks, Did, weren't you napping? He goes, no, I wasn't tired. So he basically mm, like, she's like, weren't yeah. you sleeping in the room? And he's like, Doug, don't sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, don't sleep. <laughs> Doug, don't do that. So they Doug, don't do the that. Hotel, they emerge from the hotel <laughs> elevator here. Uh, Lori is cackling at one of Doug's hilarious Talk jokes. Oh, she's hilarious. on it. She's hanging off she's his clinging, arm. Clinging to his arm. Hey, how you doing? I'm well. See you around. Okay, you just get in? Yes. Oh, you were supposed you? to be napping. Good. Oh, I couldn't sleep. I wasn't tired. Yeah. They're clearly going to fuck, right? Yeah. I think clearly... they already have. 
if they yeah they do, already, no they have they have at this point this yeah is they definitely post, they definitely have this is, this post, is post doing the deed this is yeah, absolutely okay. post post smash um yeah they, they of course they bump into kate and face i mean hail uh yeah, right. in in the, <laughs> in the lobby kate's reaction shot tells you all you need She's to know triggered. she yeah. sees that couple together and the grin on her face immediately evaporates and you know obviously I mean, doug and Lori are surprised there they didn't expect to be caught you know in the midst of their little situation uh yeah. But it's also like it kind of reminds me again of the uh, of the New Year's Eve party when Doug first met Hale and what was his reaction? Oh, I have to go flirt with at least uh, three other women in Kate's presence to get back at her for being with a man besides me. Yes. Um, so it's all just these like sexual power moves on top of power moves. Yep. Um, <laughs> and Lori has finally had. Her time on the Minnesota machine, the phenom <laughs> of Mayhorn. He, she has said, does the legend live up to the hype? The answer appears from this elevator. Uh, According to her face, tryst, she, she is a satisfied customer. Yeah, she no complaints. Downright, no complaints, as Doug might no, say. Doug is just a mouth-breathing <laughs> sexual machine. Just, oh, Doug, do good. And, like, all the girls are like, oh, Doug. Like, everybody. It's wild. It's unbelievable. Like, literally, he yeah. doesn't even seem to have any joy from me. He's just, Doug, do it. Doug, have yeah. sex. I like, feel like <laughs> sleeping with women to him is much like figure skating to Kate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's He doesn't it's do it with joy. He's, he's very good childhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, obviously Kate not happy about this. No. She's like, I thought you were napping. And, you know, Hale is just Hale. He's like, you know, in his like waspy, Ivy League educated attire. He's just there to basically probably smoke a stogie with the boys and probably go out to some Chicago strip clubs when Kate's not looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's there during the day to be like, I care. He doesn't. Yeah, you can tell I'm here to. Su- I'm here to support support my fiance. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm a very supportive and loving partner. And we cut to what appears to be the hotel, um, which yeah. is a bunker shaped hotel. It's like all concrete. In yeah, you're right. Room. It's like a cement. Yeah, very like much weird cement. Very angle. weird cement like angle. Park? Yeah, very and, Soviet. You know, I'm. Uh, Kate is frantically looking through the cushions for something. What is? I, yeah. Did they mention what she's looking it's for? It's her her lucky earring that her she's missing. Lucky earring. Yeah. <clears throat> and at this point, I couldn't help but start freeze framing. <laughs> I couldn't help it. And what am I yeah. freeze framing for? Not what Kate's doing. I want to know what is Hale Farst reading. Reading. <laughs> <laughs> so I frame by framed it, and uh, he is reading something that does not appear to be the Wall Street Journal. But he is flipping through the finance pages of a paper newspaper. And the bit of article that I could see, uh, the line as he opens the paper onto the finance page uh, the, that says uh, something, something, something on verge of a surge. Of a surge. Which means oh. <laughs> the verge of a surge, which is like this is probably the financial upside of the Gulf War. That, like, yeah. that Hale is bloodthirsty, seeing opportunity ejects again, Raytheon-esque company that, oh, oh, there might be a surge, which means people might be buying more bombs from me and Jack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's called, it's called a war profiteering. Hi, Mars. 
javelins. Howitzers. These weapons can all be found on the battlefield in Ukraine. They're made by American arms companies, and the United States has been providing them to Kyiv since the Russia-Ukraine conflict began in February. Since then, the Biden administration has invested a total of over eight billion U.S. dollars in security assistance to Ukraine, including weapons. And we are doing everything we can as the United States, working around the clock to deliver our own weapons, organizing and coordinating the delivery of weapons from many other countries. In mid-April, just three days after Sullivan's remarks, the Pentagon hosted leaders from the top eight U.S. weapons manufacturers. They discussed the industry's capacity to meet Ukraine's weapons needs if the conflict continues for years. And in early May, President Joe Biden visited the Lockheed Martin plant, which is helping produce and supply weapons to Ukraine. Lockheed Martin is one of the world's five largest arms companies. The other top four, Raytheon, Boeing, Northrop Grumman, and General Dynamics, are also all based in the U.S. In 2021, the U.S. was home to half of the world's top 100 producers of arms. The Stockholm International Peace Research Institute says the U.S. was the number one weapons exporter by a large margin. From 2017 to 2021, it accounted for 39% of major arms deliveries worldwide. And since the conflict in Ukraine began, these arms producers have been making more money. The stock price of Lockheed Martin rose to $453 per share on March 25th, up from 354 in early January, an increase of 28%. And Raytheon's stock price rose nearly 20% during the same period. The share prices of Northrop Grumman and General Dynamics also increased beginning in late February. Yeah, he's, he's a, absolutely part of the machine. Um, and yeah, is- I freeze-framed at 58.33, and I see another headline that says... Calculating money, you yeah. something something for a comfortable retirement. I'm pretty sure it says. Mm-hmm. I have so. a, I have another headline for you. Fifty-eight twenty. Okay. Is it so, the children one? What's that? Is it the children one? No, I got one for you. Lower left hand part of the paper, so it's like resting on his leg. You have to tilt your head a little bit. But mm-hmm. I got prune dead wood, comma plant some potential. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, no, that makes. I mean, honestly, from a financial perspective, that kind of makes sense as a headline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, Hale is <laughs> not paying attention to uh, Kate's needs at all, which right now are quite literally that she's looking frantically for this lucky earring. Well, you know, she's looking for her stone, and he is looking in the paper for where his money's coming from, which is the surging war. Mm-hmm. And this is what opens up an interesting dynamic where Kate literally kicks Hale out of the room. She goes, you know what? Get another room. Leave. Like she kicks him. Like she's like, Hale, yeah. you're out. <laughs> you they are. have a, they have a quarrel that is that, you know, normally you have like about 30 years into a marriage. It like doesn't make any sense. Like she's just like frantic and like in a, in a huff. And he's like trying to like kind of like downplay whatever and like kind of, you know, subtly making fun of her. And then she's just like, fuck you, get out of here. But then what happens is he doesn't leave because she asked him to leave. He basically, what happens, guys, is he 
cucks he, himself right out of the movie. Yeah, he asks he for a divorce. Basically. Yeah, he he's basically like, without really any prompting from her whatsoever, mm-hmm. he just goes, this hasn't got anything to do with skating, does it? God, he has a self-control of a rabbit. Kate, what are you looking for? Nothing. My earring. I've spent four years working my way back to nationals. And what happens? I'm skating to weird music with a partner who can't even follow the simplest of instructions. Maybe he's got a problem sleeping. The only problem that he has is finding his zipper fast enough. I thought they looked good together. You think this is funny? We have to skate tonight. Now is the time to rest. Like you, huh? That's it. That is it. Call the front desk and get a room of your own. I knew this wouldn't work out. I can't even concentrate. I can't even find my lucky earring. Hello. This hasn't got anything to do with skating, does it? What does that mean? You're falling for him. What? Doug. Yes. You are. You're falling for him. Oh, that's crazy. You think so? You're nuts. Am I? Well, you see how we act together. Yes, I do. You never get along. I mean, we're always fighting. Foreplay. At the beginning of the scene, she's frantic. Yeah. And Moira, you know, uh, the face is like, what are you complaining about? And Moira says, quote, you know, she, she's talking about Doug. She says, quote, he has the self-control of a rabbit. Mm. So she's and upset. Finally, yes. About- she's openly like, yeah, he's finally, sexual. She's admitting. Yes. The face. Rabbit is a very key word. Thank you, Chris, yeah. for slowing yep. us down and, and focusing in on that. Because there's lots of animals that don't have self-control. But what are rabbits known for? And meanwhile, Kate is crawling around the floor on all fours, like an uh, like a maniac, like a maniac, like like an animal. She's an animal, coked out, like a coked out animal. (laughs) Yeah, she (laughs) doesn't like she's looking for drugs. Karen, where's the stuff that I left, Karen? I flushed it down the toilet. You what? What was I supposed to do? They were all over the house. Karen, that was worth $60,000. I need that money. That's all we got. What was I supposed to do? They Karen! Were, they were in everything. That's all the money that we had, Karen. I was dependent on that. Why did you do that? I had Karen, to. Karen, they were going to find oh, it. Fuck, Karen, they would have never they found, found it. it. I swear to you, Henry. I swear to Henry, they would have found it. Why did you do that, Karen? Oh my God. Oh my God. She's finally, (laughs) finally, the face is, you know, sober, clear headed. We are the, we are the face. The face is us. Yeah. I am kind of team face. For what we all know to be true, which is saying, quote, you're falling for him, aren't you? Yeah. He's the only clear eyed, sober one in the entire bunch. The yes. face has the courage to put it out there. Yeah. Knowing full well this means this is the end for me. Yeah. But he's now, like, it is what it is. It is what it is. And he says it in a way. Like a fucking this, boss financial analyst. Yeah. He's just looking at the numbers. He's looking at the like, numbers. He's crunching. Guys, we're in the we're in the black. That's and the it, way baby. and the way it's he done. says it is great because she's doubting what he's saying. Yeah, her. she's like she's trying like, to push back. You're nuts. She says, that's crazy. See how we act yeah, together. We nuts. never get along. I mean, we're always fighting. To which this line reading 
I want this to be my ringtone. It's hail. It just quietly just goes for play. For play. <laughs> Like oh the God. line reading, okay. the line reading. He doesn't go. Okay. It's foreplay. He goes. She goes. You're nuts. You see how we act together. We never get along. I mean, we're always fighting. Foreplay. Foreplay. <laughs> like foreplay. Like he doesn't say it like a saint. You're just like what? No. This is what the way he says it. Ah, oh, package that. It's the way he says it, and it's also the glint in his eye. <laughs> yeah. And I wrote He's, my notes. He said that word with way too much pleasure and excitement absolutely. in his voice. Hale which tells me loud and clear one thing. <laughs> He's a cuck. This man has a cuckolding kink. Confirmed. <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed. Which we do not shame. Which we do uh, not shame, no, of course. No, He's going to hire um, a bull. It's a very common and totally cool thing if that's what you're into. Yep. But unfortunately hire... for Hale, it means that he must exit the movie. Yeah, he's into it, but he's not old enough to realize I have to explore this. He's he definitely knows. Oh, I know that's the it. thing. It's a different time. If only like, he had the 20s? language to be like, maybe this could be part of our relationship. Yeah. When no, Hale instead, that's drinking... he knows that, that is not socially acceptable. He wouldn't no. be able to advance in his career with this. No. You know, if this ever came to light. Hale um, in the future will be drinking full bottles of Pappy Van Winkle, <laughs> just <laughs> very difficult to procure bourbon as he hires men on the internet to uh, get with his hot wife <laughs> or something. <laughs> I just think that like that's Hale's future. He doesn't know it yet. That's my cutting edge two sequel <laughs> script print, uh, which yes. I'm giving right now. It's all about Hale and his hot wife. <laughs> yeah, currently <laughs> taking some meetings for that. Yeah, um, anyways. Another critical thing that happens in the scene, uh, forgive me if the, you guys already said this, is is the face finds the earring. Oh, yeah. He just very calmly picks it up very out of the uh, like a little like like he, bowl on the table. He just sees He's so in control. Whole, yeah, he sees the whole situation <laughs> so crystal clear. Yeah. Like, yep. literally, yep. Moira has her head in the sand. Yep. Literally has her head in the sand, searching, yeah. searching, searching. She's searching, all searching for is completely frantic. Frantic. Yeah, out of control. Like, hey, this the answer is right under your fucking nose. Yeah, here's here's your earring right here, and guess what wow, else? Wow, you're fucking in love with this guy. That's you a really love really good call. The mm-hmm. earring is a symbol for like, hey, it's right here. It's like, literally right here. Truth. Look at it. Look at like, it. Like the truth is right here. It's right under your fucking nose. I'm the only you one don't that sees love it. Me. No, you're yeah. in love with Doug, a bank robber from Boston, and here, <laughs> here's your earring. Oh, good like, Dougie. It's, it's that simple. And yeah. he is exits the movie, and we never hear from Hale Farst again. In That's the film. it. That's, That's the it. last we hear That's or see of him. A fucking, fucking murder. Fucking and legend, Hale. Legend. And yeah. we, we cut to like from he that. begins. He begins. Let's just pour one out. Sorry, Christian. Let's just pour one out. Yes. One, let's take a moment for, for Hale. For the face here, because yeah. he begins the movie as a fucking heel that we hate, mm-hmm. and he goes out an absolute. Hero, yeah, like real diddly daddy. Talk about a face. Diddly he daddy, is, diddly diddly. The, he is the baby face of this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's um, the hero of this movie. He makes yeah. he makes this movie possible by basically, you know, offing himself by saying, yeah. hey, "Hey, I'm out." It would have you know? been way would have ground to a halt. It would have been way too complicated and messy if he had stuck around. And he, you know, saw that for the sake of his own happiness and his fiance's happiness and for our happiness as viewers of the, the movie 
Um, he's just like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. But it's the eject button pops out of the plane. No, there's so many red flags with Kate's behavior. Like in a very near future in Hale, Hale if they stay married, Kate is hucking brandy glasses at his head. And it mm-hmm. is shattering into glass shards into his face. Like yeah. I guarantee, like Kate's temper towards Hale and the way she treats her partners, which Rick did throw that in her face earlier, you sure know you have a trouble picking partners, which yeah. is true in her romantic relationships as well. I think Hale, if anything, got out at the right time. Absolutely. She's not healthy and, right now. She's not and, mentally there for this guy. It's weird to say because, you know, like I said, he he begins this movie, he functions in this movie as a heel, but like in a weird way, he did kind of dodge a bullet of his own. Like he he was not meant to be with Moira and Moira was, no. was not meant to be with the face. They mm-hmm. purely look and like a Connecticut couple. That's all they got going for them. They just look yeah, like Yeah, it all made sense on paper, but, and like, so people with, you know, less courage and and, right. and and less agency would have been like, okay, this makes sense. This is sort of what I was fated to do. I'll just, I'll just go through with it. I'll go through the motions and we'll probably have two kids and be miserable and be, in, you know, living in, in Greenwich, Connecticut until we die. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he had the foresight and the and knowledge the and the courage. To London. Yeah. To yeah. Go back to the London office. But hang on. He didn't go to London, Chris. He didn't go to London. Where, does he Where go? did he go? Cut to the limousine in the next scene. Okay, we're all in. You are not waiting for hail? He's not coming. He had to go up to Boston. Business problems. He's okay with you? If you want to worry about something, why don't you worry about Ramjet, the rookie here? Who? Let's go. Okay, we're all in. You're not waiting for Hale? He's not coming. He had to go up to... Boston. <laughs> Business problems. Of course. The second time... Second and last time that the city of Boston is mentioned in this movie. <laughs> now, let me put a little conspiracy Ben hat on here. <laughs> You're just share, on? I feel like it's been on the share, podcast. Share my theory with you guys. Okay, here we so go. So Jack Dorsey says that Hale had to go up to Boston for, quote, business problems. This is the second time that the city of Boston has been mentioned by name in this movie. Who remembers the first time? Who remembers the first time? That's right. Of course, it was the Doug Dorsey Horror Tour 92, uh, or perhaps 91 at that point. I forget. I think it was 92 because it was after the New Year's party, right? Um, and no, wait, it must have been. Now I'm kind of confused. Anyway, whatever. So uh, my theory is that Doug came back from that little trip of Bo- to Boston of his and told Hale all about it, very casually, just being like, oh, man, Boston's the best city in America for purchasing sex. The women up there do absolutely whatever you want. You won't believe how easy it is, how low the prices are. Some of them don't even charge you. They'll literally just, you know, do whatever. You can have your way with them, et cetera, et cetera. Totally laid a trap for Hale. So the second that Hale faced, you know, the slight inkling of, of, of friction or conflict in his relationship with Kate, it was, boom, I know where I'm going. Yeah. I'm <laughs> Sorry, honey. Sorry, honey. Business yeah. problems. I'm not going to make it to nationals. Got to go to Boston. That's right. Business problems. Right. Uh, and what's shocking is how little Jack, when he gets in the car, he goes, we're all here. Hale's not in the car. 
It's Anton. Yeah, right. It's Doug. Okay, we're all in. It's Kate. It's Jack. And he just yells to the driver, we're all in. Yeah. And Anton has clearly learned about this for the first time. Anton, shockingly, it's this Soviet drunk uh, off Stoli who's like, what? Like, kind of like, what's going on? Where's Hale? Yeah. And uh, Jack is so nonplussed about this. He's just like, nope, Hale's out. And, You're right. Jack and, is, is not happy. And Anton is like, are you okay with this to Kate? And she's like, yeah, I'm good. And then Anton's like, am I crazy? What is going on? Looks yeah. to Doug. And Kate goes, you don't have to worry about Ram. Why don't you just worry about Ram Jet the rookie here? Yes. And it's just this moment of just like everyone just immediately. It's amazing how quickly they all wrote Hale off. Yeah. Only Anton had a an iota of a feeling for like yeah everyone is just like he's gone bye no yeah good riddance yeah um but my god ramjet the rookie i I had to i had to look that one up i was like ramjet the rookie is that a reference that i'm missing because doug himself says who uh when he when uh kate says uh you know if you want to worry about something worry about why don't you worry about ramjet the rookie here um, so I was like, yeah, exactly. Who, what is she, who, what is she talking about? So Miriam Webster says a ramjet is a jet engine that consists essentially of a hollow tube without mechanical components and depends on the aircraft's speed of flight to compress the air, which is supplied to a burner from which hot gases are discharged rearward. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, bow down to the queen of burns. <laughs> fucking Kate Mosley, unbelievable <laughs> Ramjet the rookie. <laughs> like what an incredible burn! It's really and then good. for the writer to acknowledge, like that's kind of a deep cut. So, so I'm deep. gonna have to have Doug say who, yeah, but then he, not actually answer it and no. just move on. Oh God, I love this like movie. He <laughs> looked, you know, Tony Gilroy looked at his uh, likely at this point just typewriter because this was written in 1991, <laughs> and he probably just looked up and said, "In 20 somewhat years." Three guys are gonna get this reference. <laughs> yes, someone will be someone will be inspired to Google what is a ramjet. What is a ramjet? Somebody will look this up. Oh, um, God damn. And they drove off. And Hale, oh, bless you, Hale. You are you will be missed. R.I.P. to a real one. Foreplay, foreplay. Before we move on, foreplay. Before we move on to nationals, oh I, had, I had one oh final God. thought on Doug. And I'm looking at Doug in a freeze frame here, sitting in the limousine Mm -hmm. next to um, the uh, the Rocketeer. And (laughs) the actor that plays Doug, I'm thinking of this Ben because he just talked about Boston. The actor that plays Doug, I've been trying to place DB Sweeney. DB Sweeney. DB Sweeney. Who does this guy remind me of? Because it's like a very 90s. Mm. I know this is a weird thing to say. A very 90s sort of actor. It's a very 90s sort of part. Mm-hmm. This character. It's a very 90s sort of movie. And I feel like this guy in this part in this movie is very of this time. And mm-hmm. you know who he reminds me of in a weird way is Kevin Costner. Yeah, it's a sport. It's a sports movie. He plays this sort of everyman, blue collar, down on his luck, maybe or maybe not, an alcoholic. Basically, just sort of like an average Joe who has some charm, has some folksy isms, and like in the right sort of light is kind of handsome. And then in the right light, it's kind of funny. But when you squint, no, Chris, you uh, you are correct. When you squint, though, in hindsight, it's now clear to me who he reminds me of. Ben, Mm. 
It's Ben Affleck. Yeah, I was going to say Affleck, actually. Before you said Costner, I was thinking Affleck in my head all the way. Because yeah. he's got the big forehead with the <laughs> kind of pushback. I mean, like you know, whatever. He's, he's a good-looking look, enough guy. Obviously, Affleck's look, a good-looking guy. Look I'm at not... the photos of, of him and Ben Affleck from, like, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. With the, with the kind of, like pushed up like kind of you know the hairlines like a little bit higher like on the top of the head with the you know kind of comb back hair it's totally affleck's hairstyle which yeah, again like was if, yeah like a very at 90s the end of goodwill hunting kind of like a bouffant almost i don't know what you if call at that. the end of goodwill hunting where will is being dressed down by his friend about sticking around Southie. If it zoomed out a little bit, I would not be surprised to see Dougie there shoveling, shoveling at that construction site as he's like, if you're here in five years, I'll fucking kill you. I'll fucking, I'll fucking kill, kill you. Kill you. Swinging his yeah. <laughs> he's out there hammering <laughs> on the construction site. Yeah. Yeah. Down, like swinging. They like are yeah, they hammering each hand with his legs wrapped around a beam. Yeah. They yeah. could be boys Hanging in Southie. Hanging from Southie, a hockey no stick. Yeah. <laughs> but D.B. Sweeney would agree with you. I will, I will bring it up yet again. D.B. Sweeney does swear uh, that he lost the part of Nuklelouche uh, in, oh, in right. so that he technically probably agrees with you that he would show up to an audition if if uh, if he walked into the room and saw Kevin Costner he's like I'm not getting this part it's mm-hmm. going and then he had a wait for a um, figure skating movie <laughs> he's like I'll do it I'll do it you've been listening to Switch 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 